0: fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you for joining me again this week. On this episode of the show, I was uh, reluctant to get on the mic and to uh, record a podcast. I'll put it that way because I'm, uh, well, I'm not recording straight after the Raptors game. I've allowed myself two, maybe three hours to collect some thoughts. I went into the the woodshop after the game to just chill out for a bit and just, Try to make sense of what, what we sort of had to witness to our first home opener for the Bulls. It was not, it was not the way you would ideally like to kick off the season, particularly after yesterday where the Bulls came back and sort of eked out a win against the Memphis Grizzlies. Thankfully, Kobe White and Zach Levine saved the Bulls in that game, but that again wasn't a very convincing win against a Not so great Grizzlies team. So you weren't sure how the Bulls were going to back up against the Toronto Raptors. Even though the Raptors had lost Kawhi, we still knew they were going to be a pretty good team out East. And yeah, it was bad. It was really bad to the point where it was tough to even watch at times. 108 to 84, the Bulls lose by 24 in their home opener. But the game was over by the third quarter at some point And it, for whatever reason, it just feel, felt like no one on this team could get their offense going beyond maybe even Wendell Carter. And uh, I guess the amusing part of that is at, at some point, Wendell was 3 from 10 from the field during the third quarter. He ended up, ends up finishing with 6 of 14, shooting 12 points, a team high 12 points, might I add. So that just goes to paint. Oh, uh, that paints how bad this Game sort of was for the Bulls. Wendell Carter, 12 points, 11 rebounds. By far and away, the Bulls' best player. Against the Toronto Raptors, Zach Levine could only manage 11 points, 4 of 13 shooting. And I don't know what happened to Larry Markin. And same thing happened in the Grizzlies game as well. 3 for, three of 10 shooting, 9 points for Larry, had the 7 boards, 4 turnovers for, for Markkinen, and, and it just sort of continued his misery from that Grizzlies game as well, where he only had the 9 points in that game, 11 rebounds, 4 of 15 shooting. He didn't have a really good matchup in that Grizzlies game, be it Jaron Jackson or Brandon Clark or Jonas Valanciunas. The Grizzlies didn't have a good matchup for Markkinen to necessarily guard himself, and those players could all guard Markin pretty well themselves. Whereas when we move over to the Raptors game, it was kind of a similar story where the Raptors had Pascal Siakam a power forward. That's not a play you want Larry Markin to guard. Whereas Pascal can guard Markin and. Obviously, Lowry had himself a pretty damn impressive game one of the season, but his last two games have been complete duds, and I don't know what to make of marketing. I don't know what to make of marketing. I guess that's the disappointing part in this. You can you can take it out when your team plays well, or maybe you just get outdone by a couple points by a team that may have just been a little bit better than you on the day, but the Bulls were just terrible against the Toronto Raptors. I, I don't know what else to say. We weren't expecting things to be this way I suppose I I definitely know none of us were expecting the Bulls to lose to the Charlotte Hornets the way they did on their opening night but you could maybe forgive that it's the first game of the season whatever move on but against the Grizzlies like I said it took Zach Levine scoring 37 points and Kobe White going absolutely crazy off the bench with his 25 points those two combined for 62 points I don't know where that game is had they not played that way And I'm glad they did play that way because we could be looking at at down the barrel of an 0-3 season right now, which is not what we're expecting. I know when I jumped on the show prior to the season kicking off, I I had been talking about the early season schedule and the fact that it was pretty light on up front and the need to get some wins up, up early. But maybe more so than the needs is that it was actually a good opportunity for the Bulls to actually rack up some wins because... We should have felt confident about them doing so based on what they showed in preseason, based on what we what, what our expectations were against the competition they were sort of coming up against. We obviously expected more than what we got from the Bulls against Charlotte. Even though they won against Memphis, like I said, it wasn't a convincing win, but you take the win, obviously. But again, you probably expected more. I, I was expecting at least a double-digit win in that game, and I don't think I'm being unfair at this point to be thinking that based on what we saw in preseason and the fact that the Grizzlies are perceived to be one of the weaker teams in the NBA. And I don't know what's going on with this Bulls defense, but in their first two games of the season, they gave up 60-point halves to the Charlotte Hornets and to the Memphis Grizzlies, two teams that most certainly do not have enough offensive firepower to justify scoring 60 points in a half of basketball, let alone putting up triple figures. So, yeah, it, it, the Bulls defense hasn't been good. Obviously, we all know about that. We, we talked about that when the Bulls lost to the Charlotte Hornets. Obviously, their three point defense was bad in that game. I guess it's sort of improved slightly against the Grizzlies, but having said that, the Grizzlies don't necessarily have a team that's going to go out there and launch a lot of threes. Whereas the Tom- Toronto Raptors, they are a team that is capable of shooting. The three, they hit 15 against the Bulls, but maybe more importantly, they attempted 42. So not only are the Bulls giving up three point makes, but they're giving up a lot of attempts behind the three point line. So their three point defense has been bad to start the season. Their transition defense has been bad as well, which has often given up a few of these three pointers as well. So just all problems all around for the Bulls on defense, but I, I guess we sort of expected that somewhat, I guess. We didn't necessarily think this Bulls team, based on the personnel that they had on the team, were going to be much of a defensive squatter, but maybe where they could come out and sort of run out and get the advantage on their opponents was on offense. And I guess we had some credible reasons to think that, given what they were doing in preseason and how good that preseason offense looked. But for whatever reason, thus far during the regular season, that that version of the offense has disappeared. I don't know where the ball movement has gone, but again, that has sort of disappeared. We didn't necessarily see that in this rap, in the, in the Raptors games. The Bulls actually finished up with 18 assists to 16 turnovers. That is definitely not an ideal ratio. And again, against the Memphis Grizzlies, again, not a very good Memphis Grizzlies team, but the Bulls only had 18 assists to 13 turnovers in that game in comparison to 40 made field goal attempts. So, the ball hasn't been zipping around along the perimeter like we had hoped or like had we had seen in preseason. season The team is definitely not throwing the ball around like they were in preseason, season and they're not making quicker decisions like they were in preseason and maybe that happens when your shooters aren't necessarily shooting the ball the guys that typically have the ball in hand maybe they're more reluctant to pass up a shot and also make a pass to a shooter rather and because of that the ball sort of starts sticking in players hands and it becomes a bit of my turn your turn type basketball and it's not the type of brand of offense that Boylan and Co. obviously want to be running but I don't obviously know that to be true. That is me speculating. That is me trying to come up with some ideas as to what the hell has happened on offense. But it hasn't been good. And it's taken one or two performances from a couple couple plays in each game to really sort of get the Bulls over the line here. I don't know where the Bulls would be in game one without that Larry Markman performance. Obviously, he was amazing in that game. But Zach Levine was nowhere to be found. But you go to the Memphis game. We already touched on it but marketing was bad in that one without Levine without Kobe White that is a definite loss and then in against Toronto basically no one showed up so I I don't understand what is happening on offense I get what is happening on defense and I expected the defense to be bad but I guess that was always going to be a risk for the Bulls in the sense that if they were to going to be a you know a top 15 offense with a chance of being maybe I don't know, let's call it 20, 21st on defense, something of that nature, then that was always the risk with this team because you can get away with being a so-so or even a bad offensive team, but still make the playoffs if you have a damn good defense. And I guess we've seen that last season with the Orlando Magic. They were one of the best defenses in the NBA, but were a bad offense but they were able to still be in games and sneak into the playoffs because their defense kept them in every single game whereas if you're going to be an all-offensive team with a so-so defense then you better bring your offense every single night because if you don't then you are going to drop games and that is what was sort of seen for the Bulls over their opening games and I guess that is the concern moving forward is if their offense isn't going to click isn't going to hum like we expected and based on what we saw in preseason then they don't necessarily have that defensive backbone to fall back on which is I guess something that we as Bulls fans have always had that to sort of fall back on that defensive identity of our teams and I mean I talked about the Orlando Magic being an all defense no offense type team but those Thibodeau teams that that came post the Derrick Rose ACL particularly in those in those seasons that Derrick didn't play that those teams were exactly that that but they were able to get to the postseason because They still had a great defense even if their offense sucked and that kept them in games, whereas if your offense sucks and obviously your your defense isn't clicking on most nights, then you're going to struggle. So unless the Bulls bring their offense every single night, then... We may be in for a run of bad games here, but I hope that is certainly not the case because even though the Bulls haven't been that great over the first three games, they do still have an easy schedule, at least over the next two to three games. So the opportunity is then for for, the, for them to turn it around. It, they are only one and two. It's not the end of the world. Things will get better. Obviously, there's too much talent on this roster for it to be this bad, but there are still some, some, some concerns. I obviously talked about the defense. I've talked about offense, but... I guess bringing it more down to an individual level, I, I really don't know what's going on with Larry Marken and his jump shot, and where he's just his his offense is more more generally. I mean, he's taking seven threes a game through three games. Only has made one per game, and which equates to about fourteen point three percent, which is crazy. I mean, obviously Lowry has too much shooting capability that that will obviously regress back to the mean. But he has looked really, really strange in this these couple for opening. In these opening first games, particularly in this game against the Raptors, it he only had five shots in the first half, two from five from the field, didn't necessarily even want to go near the ball, and I wonder if that's because he was so bad in that Memphis game where it was four or 15 from the field that maybe he was a little bit more timid in going after his own offense. I, I'm speculating, but I, I, I don't know why he didn't go near the ball in this Toronto Raptors game. He didn't look likely, but he didn't look like he wanted to put himself out there either, so... Lowry is obviously a big concern. He's rebounding the ball well. He's doing those things okay. His defense has been suspect, but I guess he hasn't had a, a great matchup defensively to match up against, like I mentioned before. So I'll give him a pass for that just for the moment. But it's really his offense that's obviously the most concerning thing. So that's obviously Lowry, the issues that was, that's going on with Mark. and We expect that to come good, but I also have no idea what is going on. With Otto Porter Jr., that guy does not look healthy. There's something up with Otto Porter Jr., surely. I mean, only playing 21 minutes against the Memphis Grizzlies. uh, We all know that Otto has been placed onto a minutes restriction, at least to the start of the season. It's been reported that the Bulls will be managing his load throughout the season. He, his trainer, and Jim Boylan have come to an agreement that he will play 30 minutes a game, nothing more. But on the first night of a back-to-back, His minutes were said to be cut to 24 minutes, but in that specific game against the Grizzlies, only played the 21. Coming back to the Raptors game, he was okay to go the full 30, but he didn't necessarily play that full 30 because he wasn't that effective out there. Only 20 minutes for Otto in this game, and I guess a lot of that comes down to the fact that he did get smashed in the face, and that wasn't ideal, but. Otto just hasn't looked right more generally. Take away the 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 fact that Stanley Johnson smashed him across the jaw and Otto had to go out with that blood sort of streaming out of his face. That wasn't obviously ideal. But beyond that, it doesn't look like he's moving properly. Uh, it, it is weird that he would be on a minutes restrictions this soon into the season. I think that is a bit strange. But there was a couple times in this game against the Raptors where Otto was sort of driving to the basket and he was getting zero lift at all. And we don't think about Otto Porter as a a highly athletic player. He's not a player that plays above the rim. I mean, how how often do you actually get to see Otto Porter sort of driving in and finishing at the rim or dunking hard at the rim sort of thing? We don't necessarily see that from Otto. It's not in his game. But even then, on the occasion when he did drive in this game against the Raptors, he was getting zero lift to the point where smaller players on the Raptors... And the Raptors were playing a small backcourt in Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. Those guys were able to challenge his shot simply because Otto just couldn't get any lift off the ground. So, I wonder if he's carrying a leg injury. Maybe it's that hip injury. He's had some reoccurring hip issues over the years. And maybe there were some other issues there as well last season. But it does appear that there's something up with Otto Porter Jr I guess it's not me alone that is sort of speculating on this I even Stacey King on the broadcast was mentioning that maybe Otto's carrying something that he hasn't necessarily made public and you would hope so because his play has been damn bad thus far f- through 3 games obviously only averaging 7.3 points per game shooting 26.1% from the field and, and even worse from the 3 point line 23.1% so Otto has not looked like the Otto that we saw, obviously, in February last season. I don't know what is up with him, but I'm assuming he's hurt because this is not the typical Otto Porter that we're used to seeing before. So that hasn't been encouraging from Otto. I wonder if any of the Bulls beat guys will be able to sort of eke out what's going on there. If there is something, in fact, going on, I I almost want there to be something going on because if it's just a bad play, then that is kind of discouraging given that Otto's 27-year-old. He's he's definitely not past his prime or anything like that. Obviously, he could be in a rough stretch, but he didn't look that great in preseason either. So, yeah, I I think there's something up with Otto Porter Jr., but obviously we'll wait and see if any news comes out about that because obviously we're just speculating at the moment, but he hasn't looked great at all. And he hasn't been alone. His former Washington Wizards teammate, Tomas Sadaransky, he was probably better today against the Raptors. At least he started strong, spotted up for some three-pointers, hit two of his four threes against the Raptors. But beyond that, against the Grizzlies, wasn't really assertive. Even in the Charlotte game, he was a little bit too passive for my liking. Obviously, he's not going to be the type of point guard that's going to go out there and command the ball. But even still, as a off-ball threat to Levine, I-, I still think Sadoransky has been a little bit passive now. Maybe obviously new location, new team, trying to feel himself out amongst his new teammates as well. So maybe he's just being, being uh, extra cautious, extra unselfish, but I would like to see more from Sadoransky. I think we got a little bit of that against the Raptors, but still you would want to see more from Sadoransky going forward. But there hasn't actually been that many bulls to think or talk about in terms of them performing well beyond maybe Kobe White, which is which is kind of crazy. Is, is it weird to say that maybe Kobe White has been the most consistent bull thus far during the season? He wasn't great against the Raptors, 3 or 14 shooting, 8 points, 6 rebounds, but a lot of that came in junk time with that second and third unit when he was sort of left out there with those guys. But... He was obviously very damn good in his opening game against the Hornets, fantastic against the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't think they win that game without Kobe White doing his thing in that second half period. Yeah, he's actually been damn impressive in the sense that he's been consistently bringing it. He probably hasn't been the best player in each of the games, but I think over the first three games at least, he's probably been amongst the top three players on the team. So that is both encouraging and concerning in the sense that the Bulls have been able to get this great performance out of Kobe White. He's so far ahead of my expectations as to where I thought he would be, but the fact that he's probably figuring in your top three or four players so soon, it it is kind of concerning in the sense that guys like Lowry look amazing one game, then all of a sudden look damn bad, and that's what's worrying, I guess, because we know Zach Levine, we know Larry Market, and even Wendell Carter can have themselves some big games, but can they consistently do it? This is what, I guess, separates good players from great players. And we know marketing can go out there and get you a 30, 30 and 15 type game. We saw that in the opening game against the Hornets. But if he backs that up with a, a 9 and 11 point performance against the Memphis Grizzlies and then only 9 points and 7 rebounds against the Toronto Raptors, then that inconsistency is kind of concerning. And I guess a lot of that comes down to his shooting. We know that'll eventually come back around. We know he's not this bad of a shooter, but... Yeah, I mean, it is strange. It's it's a weird funk that Lara is in right now. I I can't explain it. But back to Otto Porter for a second, and I think with what we've all been talking about during the off season is the Bulls' lack of depth. And I guess that's the concerning part about Otto Porter being out there is the fact that even though he is playing, he hasn't been good. We were just all assumed if he was going to be playing that he's going to be his usual consistent self. But because he hasn't been that. It's really highlighted the Bulls' lack of wing depth at the moment. Not, I think that was most evident against the Toronto Raptors. I mean, how many times did we see Pascal Siakam, and and Anoubi sort of just coming out of nowhere and get, rising up and blocking shots, even normal Norman Powell as well, whereas the Raptors had these lengthy guys. You know, take away Kawhi Leonard. They still had these types of wings out there. Whereas the Bulls, without Otto Porter Jr. on the floor, or even when he is on the floor and he's not necessarily playing as we all know he can, I thought that this, this Raptors game really emphasized the Bulls lack of depth and the issue that that presents in itself. There was a time where Chris Dunn was actually the one guarding Pascal Siakam. And I mean, that is definitely not ideal. I mean, Chris Dunn has been fantastic defensively to start this season, but you don't want a six foot four point guard guarding someone like Siakam. So the Bulls just don't have that wing threat off the bench at the moment. And that was most stark t- today against the Raptors where the Raptors were throwing out guys who, are huge they can play defense and they can hit three pointers obviously that's the type of player the Bulls need on the wing Otto Porter is that type of player usually obviously hasn't been thus far but they need that type of player off the bench as well obviously we know Denzel Valentine not necessarily defender but he's been completely out of the rotation to start the season got his four and a half minutes today against the Raptors but that was in complete junk time Shaq Harrison has been getting a run As a backup wing of sorts, he's back and healthy now, but he has been playing that sort of two or three position. He does not look like an NBA wing at this point. So the Bulls are really relying on that Archie Diakno, White and Chris Dunn sort of backup rotation. And there isn't a small four to be found amongst that unit. And they were really found out against... The Toronto Raptors you could probably get away with that against the Grizzlies and the Charlotte Hornets but against some of the better teams in the NBA you just can't really afford to do that and I think that is going to be a problem and I kind of wonder if that's the reason why we're seeing Otto Porter play right now is the fact that the Bulls simply don't have an option at small forward beyond Porter because Chandler Hutchinson is also injured so maybe Porter is carrying something and playing through something just just to sort of get by or the Bulls to get by at small forward, at least because they have no real option at small forward. So that was completely stark to me, as was some of the rotational choices that Boylan has been going with. And I mentioned this on the, on the last show, I believe, but it's something that sort of emerged in the, the, in preseason as well, at least in the last two preseason games. Boylan had been taking Wendell Carter out early of games. And putting him back in with sort of three to four minutes left in the first quarter. So he can get out there and maybe have more minutes with the second unit in a more of, more of an all defensive type identity that the de- this second unit is trying to establish. So he would pull Wendell Carter early, getting back out there with three, three minutes to go in the first quarter. And he would n- normally be out there with sort of Thad Young, Chris Dunn would come in, Kobe White would be in, and then Ryan Archie would be that 10th guy along with maybe Luke Cornette at some point. So, that is the rotation in itself. But the more I see you of that specific rotation and that specific lineup, the less I like it. And that's for a couple of reasons because- Whilst I love watching Wendell Carter and Thad Young guard guys and guard opposing front courts together, I mean that is a treat to watch, and the passing between them two I think is something the Bulls haven't exploited enough. The balance is just all wrong when you consider that something else Boylan has been doing and that something else has been that he's been playing Larry Mark and Luke Cornette a lot together, which is just kind of odd. I, I understand the five out system and spacing the floor, but it makes more sense at this point based on how the team is performing to have Thad Young with Lou Cornet and having that defense-offensive balance as well as playing Lowry and Wendell more minutes together and having that offensive and, and defensive balance too, but maybe more important, just getting more minutes of, for those two guys together. Obviously, they're the foundation of this rebuild. You want them playing as many minutes as you can, so getting Wendell out of the game after the first sort of th- four to five minutes, I don't like that move, I'm assuming or I'm, I'm hopeful that it it's It's a move made simply out of the fact that maybe Wendell is still rounding himself into game shape, and maybe it's a conditioning issue that Boylan needs to get him out of the games a bit earlier, just so he can catch a breath or two. But if it's anything beyond that, if it's a strategic decision to make it an all-defensive unit, then I, the more I watch it, the more I'm against this for Wendell Carter's sake, but the second unit's sake as well. I understand why he wants to have an all-defensive unit out there, but I would prefer to see a more balanced attack and. I guess I would prefer to see almost Lowry Markin being the one that's played into that second unit because that second unit really does sort of lack some offense when you've got Wendell and Thaddeus there in the front court and it's really only Kobe White offensively out there because you're not expecting much from Chris Dunn and Ryan Archidiakno to do much on offense. So I think that second unit could actually use an offensive punch. So I like the idea of putting Lowry in there, maybe getting him in there to kickstart his own offense. But I like that idea too because... I want to see Zach and Lowry sort of stagger their minutes and have their minutes split up because another thing that Boylan is clearly doing through three games is he's trying to pair Lowry and Zach as many minutes together as as he possibly can. And it may have just been a a coincidence, but against the Raptors, Lowry played 30 minutes and 18 seconds and Zach Levine played 30 minutes and 15 seconds. Now, I'm not suggesting that all of those minutes came together, but a good chunk of them did. And based on the way he's sort of mapping out his rotations, a lot of the time those two guys are going to be out there together, which offensively, that can be devastating when it's working. But on nights like this, when Lowry's struggling to get it going and Zach is sort of just dominating the ball and trying to get his own score going as that primary creator, it can be a little bit... I don't know. It just doesn't seem to work sometimes. So I I like the idea of staggering their minutes more broadly or more generally. But I like the idea of getting Mark in in there in that second unit for his own good to really force him to get out there and seek out his shot because that second unit would be desperately trying to get that or need that from Lowry. But I I, I kind of think it makes more sense as well in getting that front court combinations right. Because at the moment, I don't think Boylan has got it right. I think he's kind of mixing it up too much. I think he's got his, his combinations wrong. So I would prefer to see Lowry and Wendell playing as many minutes as they can in that opening period. Maybe subbing out Lowry, Mark, and bringing in Thad at that point. And then at some point, subbing out Wendell for Lowry to the point where you're playing Lowry and Thad Young in that second unit with Kobe White, Chris Dunn, and Ryan Archidiak. And you know, I kind of like that combination. And then you could have Zach sort of running that first unit once Lowry sits and just getting, or just ensuring that one of Zach and Lowry is on the court at all times because there are possessions... And then multiple, multiple possessions at that, where neither Lowry Markinen or Zach Levine is on that court. And prior to this Raptors game, I actually looked up the five man lineup starter. Not that we can necessarily glean too much from that just yet, but given that they that, that we're only three games into the NBA season, a lot of these units haven't played many minutes together. But the Wendell Carter, Thad Young, Chris Dunn, Kobe White, and Ryan Archidiakono five man lineup prior to the Raptors game was actually being outscored by 14.2 points per 100 possessions, which which obviously isn't ideal. Obviously, they can play defense that unit together, but you do have to start to question how much offense that second unit can bring, particularly when Kobe White hasn't necessarily got it going on like he did against the Grizzlies. He obviously didn't shoot the ball well against the Raptors, and I think that is a bit of an issue for the Bulls in the sense that they're really relying heavily on their rookie to sort of carry that second unit offense. So, I'm all about it at the moment bringing Larry and more into that second unit. I'd by, and by that, I don't mean having Larry come off the bench, but weaving more of his minutes more into the second unit is, I guess, what I'm getting at here. And, and splitting up his minutes with Zach Levine's, I think that is the ideal thing to be doing for both of them at the moment. I would like to see Boylan mix and mix and match that just yet. Uh, he probably won't do that because it's too too early in the season. He'll probably stick with the rotations that, he, that he's that he got in his head for now for at least another few games to see how it all plays out. And I guess he, he would be right to do so. You don't necessarily want to make holistic changes, particularly after a couple of games that haven't necessarily gone to plan. Maybe that all changes soon. So he will probably stick to it for the next week or so. But at least for myself watching these games, they've, they've been some of the things that I've been watching and haven't loved just yet but having said all that it's only 3 games as much as I am disappointed that the bulls are 1 and 2 I was expecting them to at least be 2 and 1 potentially even maybe a 3 and 0 start they are 1-2. and two. It's only three games. And more importantly, their schedule coming up is somewhat easy. They hit the road on Monday against the New York Knicks. The Knicks are 0-3 and they look pretty damn terrible at the moment as they typically always do. So that is a pretty good opportunity for the Bulls to rack up a W as is the case on Wednesday when they hit the road again facing the Cleveland Cavaliers and before coming back home on Friday against the Detroit Pistons. So they're three teams that are most likely going to be below 500 teams. The Knicks and Cavaliers most certainly will be. Those two teams will be challenging for the number one pick, I would imagine. But the Pistons themselves, they're a pretty average squad. I think they're a, they're a team that the Bulls certainly can go past in the Eastern Conference. So the next three games, the Bulls can definitely win. I don't know if they will win. It's actually funny because I, I was tweeting the other day that I think the Bulls had a realistic chance to go 5-1 and one over their first six games. Obviously, we know that is no longer the case. But I think it's still in play that they could potentially go 4-2, and assuming they win their next three games, because those next three games are winnable games. But that all starts with getting back to what we saw from the Bulls in preseason. If they can bring that offense back around and maybe just lift their defense slightly, then these next three games should be Ws. They've got the Pacers after that and the Lakers after that as well, as well as the inform Atlanta Hawks. So, The Bulls really need to rack up these Ws up front in the season because they're back half of the season, and particularly March and April. That's when their schedule gets really rough. So it's actually important for the Bulls to be almost above 500 for the first few months of the season because they're probably most likely going to rack up some Ls in that March and April period. So we need the Bulls to be almost a 500 team to crack into the playoffs. But if we assume that they're going to have a, a losing record in March and April given the competition that they will be coming up against then to offset that they'll need to have some months here in november december january where they're looking like a, an above 500 team and obviously it was a really damn good opportunity for the bulls to be that in october and november but yeah this is not the start that none of us have, none of us have imagined we are we're all pretty positive coming into this season and we had good cause to be but it hasn't gone to plan just yet but but maybe this next upcoming week can sort of be the, uh, the, the change that we need, though, the start of the change that we all need, where some cupcake games against the New York Knicks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, as well as the Pistons. Maybe those three games can be enough to jumpstart this Bulls season, and at least, at least I'm damn well hoping so. I don't want to be watching any more bad Bulls basketball. We've had enough of that over the last two seasons. Even that three Alphas era, that is not what I considered enjoyable basketball. So for me, at least, and probably many of you listening, the last three years being a Bulls fan has been tough. This upcoming season was meant to be a positive one. One of, one of growth, one of hope, but uh, the, uh, the first three games of the season have been somewhat problematic. And we, we kind of feel like we're watching those, the same old squads from the last couple of seasons, but Maybe where whereby where we were tuning out of those games or we had such low expectations where we didn't necessarily give a shit about you know a loss to the Toronto Raptors or a loss to the Charlotte Hornets. Now we have actual legitimate expectations of this Bulls team being actually being pretty good. These losses start to sting a lot more, so hopefully the Bulls can get their shit together and get back to playing like we what we saw in preseason, because we know that this there is talent on this team. We know that they can get it together, but it's just a matter of doing it all at the same time and Hopefully, they do it this upcoming week. But I don't really have anything else more to add, Bulls fans. And to be honest with you, getting this podcast out was tough based on what we've seen in the opening three games. But I I thought I'd get it out there, wear my Bulls across the chest, and be a loyal Bulls fan. It's tough right now for all of us. But hopefully, it all turns around pretty quickly. And I, I think we all know that there's enough talent on this roster for that to happen. But thank you for joining me on this episode of the show. If you get a moment, follow me on Twitter at MKHoops. Follow the show on Twitter too, at BullsHQPod. Shoot me an email if you have any questions. If you want to be part of the Bulls HQ Discord forum, hit me up, BullsHQPod at gmail.com. I'll send you a link so you can be part of that. We've almost got 80 Bulls fans up in there, so I'd love you to be part of that and help us push that number up towards 100 as we reach the back end of 2019. But Thank you for tuning into this episode of the show. Hopefully next time we're back, we'll be talking about a few Ws. But until then, this has been Bulls HQ. Thank you for tuning in, Bulls fans.